0: SPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Coming to you live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios from East River Nine. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up.
1: Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey,
2: how we doing? He's blank. on am Branham. Joe George is here. The assistant to the regional manager, Queen Bee, of the Killer Bees, Josh Chevy, is holding it down back at GAL. We're broadcasting live at East River Nine, where tomorrow, it's the one-year birthday party of East River Nine. Happy oh. birthday, I guess a little early birthday for East River 9, but they're celebrating tomorrow. Live music from 4 to 10. They're going to have a golf tournament, open play pickleball to oh, celebrate. Joe. I might be coming over here between basketball and football and playing some open play pickleball. Let's do it. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. You and me, Joe. I've never played in my life. I don't even know the rules. I know you can't be
1: in the kitchen. Uh, that's correct. I know
3: you I don't can't know. be that in the correct. kitchen. Yes. All right. Here's the. Deal. I don't you know cook, if I can be
2: but here tomorrow. You can't be in the kitchen. Gray Blankers joke. Seven one three. Six, they're going
3: to be all long. Long. That was a good one. Long. You're on a roll today. I bro. am. So the one said you know. off
2: the air was about a nine. I gave it a yeah. nine. You gave it an eight. That one was about a two.
3: I was like a. I'm like a four and a half.
1: I mean, I just go for totals. I mean, whatever I ended. He's
2: getting the Russian judge is always killing me. It's Okay. Blankers doesn't care about the averages. He cares about the total. He's
1: a volume joker. Maybe not today.
3: Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not tomorrow, Jeremy. We can't play, but I'll play you next time we're out here.
1: Okay. That sounds bucks. good. Ten bucks. If he doesn't know the rules, you need to at least take
3: advantage of that. Have you played? I don't know the rules either. Yeah, I didn't think he knew the rules either. <laughs> you don't either? We're going to make our own yeah. rules. Okay.
2: Well, I don't think we can make our own rules. We're going to have to learn the rules, or somebody's going to have to tell us. They That's can teach true. us here at East River Nine. Uh, but, yeah, tomorrow the one-year birthday party of East River Nine. Coming out with us. We'll be here till 6, uh, and then be here tomorrow for their one-year birthday party. It's going to be great. Uh, I'm watching this game yesterday, mm-hmm. kind of sporadically. I'm it's not going to s- tell you I word. watched every single play of this game, but I had it on as I was doing some work. I had it on the backdrop. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I never I never turned on the audio, which I didn't miss much because it's Al Michaels. Right. Al Michaels apparently wants to be back next year.
1: Well, wouldn't you, for making like 15 to yes. $17 million dollars to do yeah. hardly any work and fall asleep at the wheel?
2: That's a great counterpoint, yes, as yeah. yes, I would. <laughs> I would love to make millions of dollars with very little effort. Uh, but watching that game without sound... I, I, There's three things that stood out to me, and then a couple of other things actually started to stick out to me. But the the first three things that stood out to me were, one, how did the Houston Texans lose to the Carolina Panthers? A fan base that's going to march to the stadium on Sunday in, like, protest? Protest what? Like, you want a different quarterback? You want a different head coach? What exactly are you protesting whenever you go to the stadium on Sunday? It makes no sense to me.
1: No, it makes zero sense, but it also makes zero sense you know a lot of the things the way that franchise operates but they got their guy they got they picked their head coach they did whatever they wanted to do and now all of a sudden they're upset about it i mean their offensive line is hot garbage it's not going to protect no matter who your quarterback is to really get a true and fair assessment of what bryce young can be their offensive line is just absolutely awful yeah they're a, they're a bad
2: football team so like that's the first thing that crossed my mind I'm they're watching that team like how in the world did the Houston Texans, coming off a bye, lose to the Carolina Panthers? Like I, I can't fathom it. Like I don't know how it happened. Well, I know how it happened. Bobby Sloak didn't play very, didn't call a very good game, and the defense I think has some holes to it. But you shouldn't lose to the Carolina Panthers. And then if you I hate doing this, but if you were to chalk that up for a victory for the Houston Texans, you're looking at a 5-3 and three record. You're looking at a game behind Jacksonville. You're looking at a team that controls their own destiny to win its division. 5-3 and three would be tied for fifth place in the AFC, too. So, like, we have these conversations. Here's what the Texans have deserved. Here's what the Texans have earned this year. Because D'Amico Ryans is a really good coach. Because C.J. Stroud has turned the direction of this organization. The Houston Texans have earned our criticism. Quite frankly, like in the past, if it like what, last year under Lovey, they lose to Carolina. Who cares? Like you're you're tanking. You lose under David Culley. Who cares? You're not a real NFL organization. But because the Houston Texans have returned to relevancy, they have earned us. Our criticism—they've earned Mm -hmm. our criticism—and I point to that Carolina game and I circle that. I go, if you missed the playoffs, it's because you lost to an awful Carolina Panther football team.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's the thing that we didn't want to have to do at the end of the year to have the revisionist history of go back and look at the games or game in this case that might stand out to you that you let get away that might be a difference maker, and that's the first game you're going to look at. Yeah, the Atlanta game was close and they had opportunities, but they lost it on a field goal at the buzzer. You can you can question you know yeah. timeouts and things, but that was that was where you go. Atlanta's not a horrible football team, a- and look for one week at least, their quarterback played really really well. To where, he, you know, he threw up, he had a big game, and you didn't exactly have your best defensive game. There's but,
2: not a shame in losing that game. No, no but shame.
1: Desmond Ritter was on fire that game, but when you look at what happened in the Carolina game, then you look at the body of work of what Carolina has been and continues to be. You're like, how in the world did a team that looked as good as you've looked all year lose? To you didn't get your doors blown off by any teams that you were, you know, supposed to lose to but you lost a game that you easily should have won 13 points they
2: scored 13 points against Carolina. Like, that was, a sl- that was the slow game in which they failed to execute. They failed to score. I think they thought they were going to roll over out of bed and just run down their throats. And it's like, uh-oh, all of a sudden we got ourselves a game. And they still made, like, critical mistakes in that game that led to that loss. So that's the first thing I'm saying. And because the Texans are, are back, like, to relevancy, uh, they have all of a sudden they- – they've earned our criticism. And yeah. that's a game that you circle. I'm like, man, you would be in the playoffs of the season we're in today if you won that game. You'd be a game back in control your own destiny in the AFC South if you won that game. The other thing I'm thinking is because the Texans drafted second, they drafted C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young obviously went first second thing I'm thinking, I'm thinking two things kind of two pronged here what does C.J. Stroud look like right now in Carolina and what does Carolina look like if they have C.J. Stroud and then vice versa what do the Texans look like right now if they had Bryce Young, and what does Bryce Young look like if he's a Houston Texan?
1: Those are, I mean, they're interesting questions. I thought about them when the when the two teams played each other, and, and you think about it more after a game like even last night, looking at it, going, you know what? I think Stroud would still be good. I, I think because of what you saw, but you have to understand that you're you're asking a lot of Frank Reich and the offensive system to be able to kind of do what the Texans did and just completely construct their offensive line for the safety and security of their quarterback, which I don't know that they're willing to do because they obviously haven't done it for Bryce Young. I don't know how that offensive line would be able to hold up even with a short passing game Mm -hmm. if that was what they would implement. But I think because Stroud is so savvy behind center, because he's good at reading defenses, he's good at being able to go through his progressions, I think he would look better Mm -hmm. and, and, and similar, but I don't think the team would have... That big of a difference in terms of their results because of yeah. who they have around them.
2: I think that I think Stroud would look better than Bryce looks like in Carolina, and I think Stroud would look better than Bryce looks like in Houston. Yep. because Stroud's the better quarterback. But I I do think I do believe that this offense, the Houston Texans offense, is better suited for both quarterbacks, quite frankly. I agree. Like if you put Stroud and Young in the Houston Texans uniform versus Stroud and Young in the Carolina uniform, I think both quarterbacks look better in the Houston uniform. Because I I do think that they have a quarterback-friendly offense uh, with San Francisco and how they do that. And then kind of like a a caveat off of that, because Chicago was playing in that football game, is Chicago kicking themselves and maybe Joe's the better one to answer yeah. this. Is, is Chicago kicking themselves for choosing Fields, not over not over Bryce Young, but over CJ Stroud? Yes. How are I don't you know? I don't
3: I don't I don't listen I, to Chicago radio. I, and look, I think well, that does. I think that a lot of times like Bears fans are going to look at a, a uniform and they're going to freak out. Like they would have freaked out with the idea of taking another Ohio State quarterback. They're going to freak out about the idea of drafting another Carolina quarterback. But I don't know how you have eyeballs and don't realize that the Bears, for the second time since 2017, have made a colossal disaster of a decision. I saw this weekend from one of the guys that I really respect in Chicago. You know you know whose name he put next to C.J. Stroud? Brendan Riley? He put, together, he put Patrick Mahomes and C.J. Stroud in the oh, same sentence. easy now. No, but here's why. I don't disagree. In 2017, the Chicago Bears passed on Patrick Mahomes. In 2023, they passed on C.J. Stroud. They're right. They, they passed used to, on two franchise quarterbacks. They
2: used to complain how they passed up on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, but yeah, then the did. massage stuff happened.
3: Yeah, now they don't complain about that yeah, one. That, was, a that was the Trubisky thing, yeah, with yeah. Trubisky and the, the two
1: guys that got away. And,
3: like, and for sure it was two guys, but like I, I put Stroud in that same camp. I, I am. That's why I went and, and left the transfer portal, and I'm a Texans fan. For nah, you. You've been leaning backwards a little <laughs> I know, bit. But like, I,
1: think, I think the, the twofold fold thing, getting back to how – how Young would look in a Texans uniform. Yeah. I think that he would, because of the quick passing game, I think he would still have success. And because of the fact that they can sh- they have enough talent on the offensive line that he would have some time. The one thing that, you know what, as much as we kicked it around a- a- ad nauseum before the draft about the size of Bryce Young, I noticed this when the Texans played Carolina. I noticed it again watching some of the game last night where you look at it and you say, I really th- seriously think it's an issue. I never thought it was an issue with Drew Brees. I never thought it was an issue with Russell Wilson it looks to be an issue with Bryce Young. And and no matter what they did in the short passing game and the quick passing game, I think that bigger, taller defensive linemen with, with, with reach would could be a bigger problem for him than most, and that would be one area where I would be concerned. To your point, too,
2: I don't think that they have... Uh, I don't think that the pieces around him are very good. And, like... I think the Texans' pieces around Stroud are are obviously way better than than we gave them credit for. I think that Stroud plays a part of that as well. But, like, the offensive line should be formidable, and they are when they're pass blocking. They aren't when they run block for whatever reason. Like, Schultz is a a good NFL tight end, or at least an Uh above-average NFL tight end. Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary have given you nothing. So, like, you're not getting any help from the running back. You're not getting any help from the running game, period. doesn't matter who the running back is. You're getting no help from the running game, period. And in the passing game, you've seen the evolution of Nico Collins, which is massive. You've seen Tank Dell play way better than where he was selected. We were talking yesterday, if you redid this first round with all the rookies, Tank Dell's probably a late first rounder, Mm -hmm. which is a great find in the third round if you're Nick Casario or maybe C.J. Stroud telling Nick Casario to go give me that guy. So I do think that the pieces around Bryce Younger better. But that's also on Carolina. Like Carolina traded all that stuff away and then went and selected Bryce Young. Like the Texans were prepared to kind of position a rookie quarterback to just take over the job and at least keep him upright. Remember, Carolina the, remember
1: when we were talking about this right before the draft where the guy that made the number seven Carolina jersey and put Stroud on it and and everybody was just like, Oh, what were they thinking? Oh, yeah. That was it. Now you look at it in retrospect and go. Maybe you know he was he had the right idea that that's what Carolina should have done all along because it's one thing to say you got to go get your quarterback to mortgage the farm the, the way that they did and we don't know if, the, if 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 Nick Casario and the Texans weren't willing to do the exact same thing if the, the yeah. discussions with the Bears would have come to fruition so again. The organization looks really good for getting the guy they got and not having to give up anything to get him. But in retrospect, we look back at it, we don't know if that could have been a possibility that they just dodged a bullet because they, they love you, won a game that they probably well, should have lost.
2: Even then, you, the reports from Jay Glazer, we, we heard rumors at the time that the Texans were trying to get up to number one. Well, that's what I'm talking with about. With the if, idea if, yeah. of trading, or drafting Bryce. Yeah, so. so if
1: we know that they were willing to have those discussions – they dodged a major bullet that they maybe had no control over doing, except for the Bears saying no because we don't know that they wouldn't have taken Bryce Young. Right? I
2: mean, it's 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 weird how you digest that information, though. Like, because I think that you just kind of forget about it over time. Like. Casario is going to get credit for drafting CJ Stroud, even though if they had the number one pick, things might have been differently. Even though if they trade up to number one, things might have been differently. Probably fair to say they would have been differently. At the end of the day, though, it is who you draft. Mm-hmm. Like Regardless of what happened before you or who said no to a trade proposal, Nick Casario's drafted players is going to include CJ Stroud, even if he had Bryce Young ahead of CJ Stroud. Yeah.
1: No, you're right. And, and that's where. Sometimes it's not just about all the skill in the world and, and, and really you know having a, a skill set for the position that you're in. Sometimes luck just plays into it. And whether it's luck or you know fate or however people look at it, between losing losing the, the last game, not losing the last game of the regular season, not making the trade with the bears, whether you discussed it and how yeah. far you discussed it or not, and then having Carolina take who they took when they could have taken anybody, Everything lined up perfectly for them and now you're sitting in a situation where you are going to reap the benefits for years and years to come while the franchises that didn't do what they could have done are gonna sit there wallowing in what ifs and what they could what what didn't happen.
2: A lot of dominoes had to fall in play, like the Colts safety dude, Lovey, Davis Mills the Chicago Bears, Carolina. Uh, All of that is is a domino effect that led to you getting C.J. Stroud. 713-780-ESPN. We're broadcasting live at East River 9. Come say hello to us. Chewy's already out here. Great to see Chewy. Uh, Tomorrow is their one-year birthday. Their birthday tomorrow, one-year-old tomorrow. What's the Astros' biggest offseason question? Because we've talked about priorities. We've talked about needs. We've talked about who's the skipper going to be. What's the biggest of them all? Biggest Astros off-season question seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. He's at Pacman Man Joe on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Joe's at Joe George Radio. Uh, we're conversing on the Twitch as well. twitch.tv slash ESPN ninety seven five. Killer bees live from East River nine on e- on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.
0: ESPN 97.5 on Twitch. We control the spice.
2: The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness.
0: On the northern bank of Buffalo Bayou, you'll find the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine and its current occupants, the Killer Bees. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank. I'm Branham. We are at
2: East River Nine. Tomorrow they turn one-year-old. one-year one birthday party tomorrow, November 11th, tomorrow. Uh, they have live music from 4 to 10. If you like live music, be here from 4 to 10. A golf tournament. you like golf, if you like tournaments, be here tomorrow. Or if you like to play some pickleball, open play pickleball to celebrate the one-year birthday of East River Nine. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. 0002 says, who's worse, Arlington hour or OU Mike? I don't think I've never been graced with the presence of OU
1: Mike, so my answer would be Arlington so, Al. I've had too many presents with a uh, from OU Mike, I should say. Yeah, the presents that I, we received. It was <laughs> bizarre, bizarre with OU Mike, but it's also kind of par for the course for others we've had interactions with throughout the years. OU Mike started out like a really fun piece to our puzzle <laughs> when we were getting going. And then all of a sudden, one day, just kind of flipped a switch and went a different direction. And then it, you could—it was just like a, an out-of-control car wreck, and, and it just kept going from there until he got permanently banned, and probably should have had a whole lot more. Oh, really? Oh, it got racist. It got—it was there were so many different Who things. Did that he came call in. racist? Oh my God! You guys are? Oh yeah. Well, no, it was the rever- reverse. He was racist. So, like, if I spoke positively <laughs> about any African American basketball player, I got absolute texts and um it just went it went off the rails. So
2: are you Mike was worse than Arlington now? Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, nope. there nope. you go. For sure.
2: 713780ESPN Biggest Astros off-season question: They don't have a manager. Who knows when they're going to hire a manager? Free agency. There's, you know, there's been. Ar- I've argued with people about weaknesses on this team and what can be addressed in the off-season. I want a starting outfielder. Some people think I'm crazy for wanting a starting outfielder. Uh, backup catcher is a priority for some reason. Uh, according to Dana Brown, CBS has a. a they list their biggest offseason question for every single team. We don't really care about every other team, but the Astros' their biggest question is who's going to replace Dusty Baker. So their biggest offseason question is manager. What is your biggest offseason question? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. This is with yours. This,
1: Jeremy. This is similar to what we did yesterday when we said, you know, who is the, who is the the, the go to guy with the Rockets, and it ended up being that it's it's Odoka. I think in, in how I answer this question would be. Is Jim Crane willing to go over the tax and how far? Because I think the time is now. I think it's extremely important based on what we've seen in terms of the lay of the landscape, in terms of the the Rangers and winning the World Series and beating you in Game 7 in your own ballpark and seeing that that team's probably not going away and they're going to get Jacob DeGrom back at some point. Knowing that Seattle is right there as well as a very formidable foe in your own division. Knowing that you still have an open window of keeping this golden era of Astros baseball going, but you're in a different place than before. Last year when we were talking about, well, how much money is he willing to spend that he has that's just like a slush fund? Now you're talking about it from a different perspective, and you're trying to figure out, hey, how dedicated is he truly to taking all the the money that he made and all the success that he's had and keeping it going forward? And, and how much is he going to be a more frugal owner and say, yeah, we had a great run. I'm not willing to go so far to just start giving money away in the tax.
2: That's where I'm at, too. Like that, that, to me, is the biggest offseason question. I, look, manager spot is obviously important, and I have some some guys on my list that if they hired, I would be pretty, like, I'd feel gross about uh, Brad Oswald is at the top of that list. Um, the, what's the dude's name for the Angels? The bench coach or whatever? Well,
1: the one that we didn't know. Yeah, was Ray. Was. I think it's yeah. Ray. It's Ray because it's Field of Dreams to me. I was like, if they build it, uh, Ray Montgomery. Ray Montgomery. Yeah. Ray Montgomery. Yeah. Ray Montgomery. Jordan's like, he's, dad.
2: he's on that list, but there's probably. It's not really. There's probably like ten guys on the on the in the pool, or at least in my pool, that I would be I'd be all right with. Like I'd be cool with a spot. I'd be good with Omar Lopez. Like I would be good. I would have been good with Ron Washington. Uh, would th- you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think Ron Washington's a ball coach. I would have been very pleased with Ron Washington. Uh, I did a little bit of a deep dive initially. I was like, nah, that doesn't feel good. And then after kind of reading up and like. Going to watch videos on Ron Washington. I got pretty fired up about the idea. I know he's of Ron a Washington. real
1: players love him, and he's really good with infielders and some of the yep. ways that he coaches behind the scenes. I know all that to be true. Yeah,
2: he kind of gets India too. Like whether you're one of his players, whether you're an umpire, and I kind of thought that the Astros could really like feed off of that energy. So like, there's there's ten guys that I would be totally cool with as the Astros manager. So. I'm not really sweating the Astros manager search all that much. Now, if it came out in the next 15 minutes that Brad Osmond is named the Houston Astros manager, I would probably flip, like lose my lid. So I do have that caveat. I just don't think it's going to be Brad Osmond. So for me, and then whenever you have these offseason questions, okay, well, do you need a bat? Some people feel like you don't. Uh, some people feel like you need another frontline starter. Okay, cool. Uh, some people think that you need to sign three 7 to $10 million relievers. All right, cool. All of those things. What's the one common denominator? You have to be able to spend. And if you look at the Astros' projections in terms of where they are to the competitive balance tax, you know everybody has their own projections. There's the Cots, there's the uh, Spow Track, I think I think FanGraphs has one. It's usually it's roughly the Astros' projection is roughly five million in the black to five million in the red, somewhere in that window. So they don't have much money to spend unless Jim Crane feels comfortable going in to the luxury tax. So. So for me before we talk about anything else especially when you're talking about free agent acquisitions and allowing Dana Brown to improve this roster and if you want to be a championship team like you got to have some certain things that you have to be comfortable with and with Because of where the payroll's at. Because last year, I thought the Astros acted like a champion. Like, they went out and spent. They weren't above the competitive balance tax. This isn't every single year I need Jim Crane to be above the competitive balance tax. But this team has holes. This team doesn't have wiggle room under the competitive balance tax. The first question that I have for the Houston Astros offseason coming up that we're currently in is Jim Crane willing to spend? Is Jim Crane willing to go into the competitive balance tax to fill holes on this team that I think
1: are necessary to show that you have championship as your priority? Yeah, I think that's that, that's why we're both on the same page with it, because you don't want another Drayton, right? And so far, he's proven to not be another Drayton. But he's also had almost a can't-miss proposition of having the roster that he's had with the the, the the mix of players and then having, a, at least for a year, a very shrewd, actually for more, for almost all of his existence, two shrewd general managers that knew exactly how to balance everything to get what this team needed when it needed it most to, to, to have that best chance to win it all. Now a lot of things are kind of up in the air, and now the proof is going to be in the pudding in terms of judging and grading him as a true owner of... It's not going to be a cakewalk, and you're not going to win the division by ten games. It's not going to be a, an absolute certainty that you're going to be one of the top two teams in the American League and be favored by Vegas and everybody else to yeah. be one of the teams to win the World Series. You have to do some things to put up or shut up to keep this thing going, and everybody's going to be watching you. And this is coming off of last off season when you had that basic whatever it was disagreement, you know, different focuses and philosophies with your general manager, and sent him walking after a win to win a World Series. And before you could get the other guy in here fast enough, you made three moves with Jeff Bagwell that have everybody guessing and questioning what you're doing. I think the only other
3: question that I would have is, what does Dana Brown like truly, honestly believe of the rotation? Because I have questions personally about, obviously, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Jose Arquiti, J.P. France. Like All those guys are huge question marks. But like, what does he believe in From Valdez and Christian Javier? And I think that... The move he makes at starting pitcher will tell you that answer. If he does nothing, he feels good about everyone. He feels good that McCullers and Garcia will come back. But if he does, like this Dylan C stuff that we kind of batted around a little bit, make that big of a move, I think that says more about how he views Fromber yeah. and Javier than he does anyone else. So besides spending money, like, that's my biggest question, is how Dana Brown views the rotation. I don't think that they're going to add a significant name to the rotation. I don't, I don't either. I have very I
2: have I would be surprised unless it's the the Cuban Rodriguez kid. Which yeah. there's some doubts if he's even a starter. Now he's got 3 plus pitches, but he's pitched both uh, as a starter and as a reliever in his international career. I don't think that they add I don't think that they add a top 3 caliber starter via right. trade and I definitely don't think they do it in free
1: agency. I think they could actually add a a very cheap veteran pitcher to kind of bridge a gap to see where Garcia and McCullers are to give him an extra insurance policy at a really see that, low rate. Really?
2: Because you already have a couple of those guys, right? Like, you have Urquidy, you have France that have those bridges. So, like, now is are you adding kind of that same caliber of pitcher, but you're doing it for $10 million? Like, I'd rather than just add a reliever at that point.
1: Yeah, because it also depends, too, on if you use one or more of those pitchers to get something that you otherwise would spend a little right. bit more money on in free agency.
2: Like, would you want a Wade Miley or would you want a Michael Jordan Waka? Hicks? Well, yeah, like that type of pitcher. Right. Like, would you want like a back-end-of-the-rotation starter for $10 million, or would you rather give $10 million a year to Jordan Hicks? Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Yeah, Jordan like, that's Hicks. a bigger need than, than back into the rotation. Like, I, I'm Like with you because like, you want guys that can eat innings. I just think you already have those guys with Keedy France, if they believe in Arigetti.
1: Doesn't it also, though, kind of depend in part on how long you need that starter for? because if you know Garcia is going to come back and you know McCullers is going to come back at a certain point yeah. you don't need it you don't yeah. need that guy to be as good for as long
2: cuz now you're looking at a guy that's temporary for 3 Correct. months
1: yeah that's a good point
2: 713-780 ESPN Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River 9 when we return what what do you think the Astros biggest off-season question is you probably saw it was, this went viral yesterday on Twitter and Astros Twitter and it's a toxic place uh, Jeremy Booth who does uh, he does some podcasts he's a really good baseball man Uh, He does some podcasts with Bristol over at Channel 11. Uh, He had some thoughts about the fans and Twitters and bloggers of this city. Uh, We'll we'll play it for you when we return. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
1: Hey, before we go to the break, I want to tell you all about the good people at Allstate siding and windows. I've been telling you about them for quite a while. I placed my order for my windows, and I'll tell you throughout the process how great Allstate siding and windows has been, will continue to be, and how they take care of Houstonians because they lived up to everything so far. They came out to the house. They told told me and my wife exactly how they were going to be able to – create a more energy-efficient environment with my house, how these windows were going to affect our energy bills in a positive way, keep all the positive energy inside the house, protect the outside of the house, and do so much more. And that's why we signed up right there on the dotted line and can't wait to get them installed. But the other thing is is because I'm dealing with a company that's been in business with four generations of the same family, family-owned and operated, almost 50 years in business. They know what they're doing. They're going to pass on that knowledge to you. And also along the way, they love Houstonians, they love Houston sports, they love sponsoring ESPN 97.5, so they're going to take care of our listeners with a lot of great deals. They're going to do 12 months, no interest free, 9 months, same as cash. They're going to take care of you with that and so much more, $150 off on Windows with a minimum of 10 Windows purchased, and you can get other specials by mentioning us and talking to Mary and her crew. I encourage you to check out the website, allstatesidingandwindows.com, and call them to get them to see how they can help you. 832-204-1936. 832-204-1936. Go see my friends at allstatesidingandwindows.com.
0: ESPN, 97.5.com. We keep getting away with it.
3: I want some more. Keep it, the not
0: Now return you to the Killer Bees, live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine. Here are your bees, Joel Crank and Laramie Cranham. Yeah, that's us, Spence.
2: Uh, Killer Bees broadcasting live East River Nine. We'll be here till six. Come hang out with us tomorrow, the one year birthday party of East River 9, November 11th, that's tomorrow. Live music from 4 until 10. It'll be a lot of fun. A golf tournament as well, lots of fun. Pickleball, open play, pickleball, to celebrate the one-year birthday of East River 9. We'll get to the Jeremy Booth stuff in a a moment. He and Jason Bristol on the Bases Loaded podcast that they they do. uh, Booth, a former scout, good baseball, really sound baseball mind, Uh, went went into kind of the... I guess tweeters and bloggers and maybe a single radio host, maybe more than one radio host. Was it blankers? Nope. Was it me? Who knows? We'll let you decide here in a little bit. But we we're asking you, what's the Astros' biggest off-season question? No five one nine nine. Astros' biggest need: pitching, a bullpen, and stability in starting rotation. Given free agents leaving and inconsistency in twenty-three starting rotation, for me, it's the bullpen. Like I do think you have a rotation that's good enough to win. You've won with this rotation. You've won with Verlander. Now he is two years older. Uh, You've won with Fromber. Now he's maybe two years away from his peak. I don't know. Javier, did the league figure him out? I'm still bullish on the future of Hunter Brown. Uh, and Luis Garcia's solid if you do get him back. Now, Tom John, you really don't want to put a whole lot of stock in his return. And then the same thing with McCullers. Uh, next time that you're counting on Lance McCullers to do anything, then you need to reevaluate your own life. Uh, but you have names there that are certainly capable of carrying you pretty far.
1: Yeah, you do. Uh, you also have questions about a JP France. Can he duplicate or come close to doing what he did when you absolutely never saw it coming but could not have needed him more a year ago? Could he do that again? Can Hunter Brown figure it out? We know he's got the stuff, but can he pitch instead of just having unbelievable stuff and just throwing, can he pitch his way into taking it to the next level? You assume that he should be able to do that, and he's got the bright people around him to get him to do that. But when you look at it, there are questions, but it's not as bad as other teams because you have so many options to go to and other insurance policies that could be there in the waiting if you need, like Garcia, like McCullers.
2: I think every team has questions. Uh, I think it's the nature of the business. I'm personally looking at trading J.P. France. I think this season was kind of smoke and mirrors. I think there's a reason he's a 28-year-old rookie. I don't think very highly of his stuff. I'm trying to flip J.P. France for uh, a reliever. Yeah, I'm trying to flip him for a reliever. Yeah,
1: and sell high when you don't yeah. have to worry about the bottom falling out in year two and just go, hey, everybody, the tape that they got and what they saw, and if they just look at the regular season, kid had a phenomenal year, and there should be no reason for teams to not want that guy on their team as opposed to let him start the season if he starts to fade and blow up. Now you got zero return on the investment. I'm not a
2: um – I'm not a – like, I think Spencer Arrighetti's going to be all right. I'm not as high as him as Dana Brown is. Like, Dana Brown talks about him like he's a top three of the rotation starter. I think he's probably middle to back end. Uh, But I I believe more in Spencer Arrighetti's next five years than I do J.P. France's next five years. So now France is being jumped by somebody else, currently he's your seventh starter even before you talk about injuries. Uh, I'm trying to trade J.P. France for a a good relief arm that I can count on – but maybe the seventh inning. Like, if you can get an arm that's better than Graveman, better than Montero, that's something that I'm doing, especially if he's cheap, because now you're doing it without actually going into the free agency market.
1: See, I like Blanco's arm better, mm-hmm. but I I, I have serious questions about Blanco's ability to pitch.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't say that Blanco's better than France. I think that it's kind of a toss-up depending on what you like. Now, I think France's strength is he knows how to pitch. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have great stuff. Whereas right. Blanco has, I think, good stuff doesn't necessarily know how to pitch, and he's kind of a fringe guy, too. He's kind of a tweener. Is he a bullpen arm? Is he a starter? You're not really sure but what to you have. But your point,
1: you've got Arrogetti coming up from Sugar Land. You've yeah. got Blanco, who's been up and back and forth. And both of those guys are, are, are better than serviceable if you do choose to trade J.P. France. Like,
2: even if you don't count Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers because they're hurt, you've got Verlander, better than France. You've got Frambert. You've got Javier. You've got Brown. You have Urquidy, and I feel like I'm leaving somebody else off. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm counting Eric Getty. Maybe I'm counting Eric Getty as my sixth-best had... starter, and now France is my seventh. That's what I'm doing. I'm counting Eric Getty as a better starter than J.P. France. He's my sixth-best starter in this organization that's big league-ready. France is now seventh. That's before you talk about injuries. That's before you talk about Luis Garcia because he's better than France. So now France is eighth. Lance McCullers is better than, than J.P. France. So now France is ninth. So I think when you look at capable starters that you have in this organization, look. J.P. France is, is down on that and list. I'm not a
1: fan of Belak, but Belak has yeah, given you some decent starts. He's also had some blow-ups. But at the <sighs> same time, he's proven that in short, short stints – he can be serviceable to whether he has value with you or another team, you at least know you've got another guy on your roster that's pitched in the big leagues that's had a, a few games where he's pitched well. Yeah, I wish you, you wouldn't you, have
2: brought up Belak because I feel like you painted a black uh, black cloud over it. He's Scott serviceable is what he is, not very yeah, good. I'm not
1: a fan of his on the Astros team, but if another team wants him, have at it. I yeah, still think, I like, think that they will, right? I, I would I still look so. at Belak. I think other teams will want him. I don't know. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Not, I'm, I'm not expecting a big return. I think there are other teams that look at their fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth starters going, I could get that guy,
3: and he's probably better than what we got. See, I'd trade him yeah. in heartbeat. I, I think I too. I still think Arquiti is a guy that I would be curious if they're going to want to move this season.
2: I think they move one of those two. I think they move one of Arquiti or France. Because the thing Not about, both. I think, Arquiti, I think they move
3: both if they if they felt better about Garcia and McCullers, yeah. but because they don't, they can yeah. only move Or more.
2: if they were healthy. And you knew That's they were what I mean, healthy. Yeah.
3: Because like the St. Louis Cardinals, I think, are a perfect team to look at for like Jose Arquiti. They, there's been reports that they're looking to trade one of their outfielders for a starting pitcher, and it's like, huh, that just feels like yeah. a perfect marriage.
2: Their outfielders kind of stink, though. Yeah, they're not the only You do like O'Neal? Not really. He he. He's a one hit wonder. I think he's been awful. He, I think he was a good two years ago. He's been awful ever since. Yeah. Lars Newbar is the only one I like. I don't think he's tradable. No, I can't imagine that. He's pretty good. Yeah. Him he's, and the, All of the other ones are mid, Like so mid to me. Yeah. Carlson's mid. O'Neill's mid. I'm blanking on one of the other guys that's co- totally mid. Yeah.
3: I just I feel like I, I still believe like left field is a huge hole. Burleson. And, yes.
2: They're 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 all for like fourth and fifth outfielders. Yeah. Like, I don't like those guys at all.
3: Well, maybe that's B- maybe that's your Belak like trade, Belak B- like for one of those guys. But yeah. I just I still feel like if you can trade Urquidy for a left fielder. I would do it. It's the better Depending move the than trading for a bullpen arm. You can trade well,
2: one Mexican for another, Jose Urquidy for um, Alex Verdugo. Verdugo.
3: Verdugo. 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 Yeah, I think that trade makes a lot of sense for both teams. I, I agree. And, and I think
1: that whether you you know choose to sign and lock up Verdugo or not, it's another discussion. But if you could get him, you definitely explore that possibility because I think he adds a lot to this team in the short term. And I think that there's obviously a a, a bonus or there's something to be had if you're the Red Sox adding to their pitching staff. But I think if you look at the overall big picture situation and you look at the guys we're talking about, it would be great if you could say, hey, both guys are going to be healthy. We don't even know if Arquidy is going to be healthy because of the fact the last several years he's been battling, you know, nagging injuries to where I don't think you can get like the Wilson Contreras trade done again with, with Urquidy, but if Urquidy brings enough value to get you an Alex Verdugo, i do that.
2: Yeah, I'd be looking to trade one of my back end of the, uh, the starters, whether it's for a left fielder, whether it's for uh, like a capable, really good reliever that's under club control for a while. 713-780-ESPN. Jeremy Booth, uh, former baseball scout, he goes on with Jason Bristol, sportscaster at Channel 11. They do a podcast called Bases Loaded, I believe, with Bristol and Booth. Um yesterday went viral. I went back and listened to the the whole interview earlier today on the on the drive here to East River 9. But here's the the piece that went viral with Jeremy Booth yesterday.
4: You know, you don't may not like him for this team. You may not think he's a good fit, but some of the stuff you guys said, y'all be embarrassed. Y'all be embarrassed cuz the rest of the game looked at that. And this is right on the heels of Dusty Baker looking at that. Right. And saying, I don't want to be here anymore because I don't listen to the bloggers. That's why I went to the house. I'm 74 years old and all the stuff I went through. You ran me out and some of you celebrated it. You got the rest of the game watching you. You want everybody to want to be here. Somebody said that the Astros job is most desirable in baseball. Let me tell you something. Dana Brown's good. Okay, Jim Crane, as much as I got to be around him, man, that guy's been maligned a little bit. He ain't that bad. He's pretty good. He's got a pretty good group of advisors and they got a good clubhouse. And the reason that people don't want to be around is because of the bloggers and the people online that go torture them and they're driven by at least one at least one radio host. All right. So at least
2: one radio host drove Dusty Baker out of town, the tweeters, these bloggers and at least one radio host. Could it have been Blankers? Could it have been Branham? Who is this radio host that chased Dusty Baker out of town? 713-780-3776. Joe, could it have been Blankers? Could it have been Branham?
3: Well, I don't know. I think I think Blankers, I mean, we all know. Probably not Blankers um, because you're, he's not the most active on Twitter. during, okay. like you know, Attacking people, I would say. Maybe he has a blog. but like, I give honest opinions. I don't go after people. Yeah, but I'll say this. I mean, you want to talk about people. Look, he's sensitive. He's upset. Yeah. Dusty didn't like the media. And I think just like 130 games... Of what's wrong with Dusty's lineup? Just <laughs> it finally got it to like him. You drove, games drove him out of town, it was Jeremy. Like 180 games, you drove Dusty Game. Baker out of town.
2: The uh, so what's wrong with <laughs> Dusty's lineup? It's Could've your fault. Maybe it was me that drove. The, I don't. Maybe it was. I'm not going to celebrate that if that's the case. And I hate that I did that. I don't believe that uh, I, I was. Uh, hmm. I think he's
3: talking about Clanton here. A hundred percent. It's not. It's more than a hundred percent. Because those can be more than a hundred percent. It can be. Booth. There's not. There's no. Booth tried to fight him. Uh, yeah. yeah, he really. Yeah, he's not the first. <laughs> yeah, but like Booth tried to fight him like a year ago. Yeah, so, like, so this it, isn't the first time. The, and they I, put it on full display. It was yeah, on it full did. display on social media. Yeah, but like that's where like this whole thing is so stupid that Jeremy is like taking this view. Let's call him Booth. Fair. Let's call that him Booth. Booth yeah. is trying to act like one Twitter disagreement between him and a radio host is the yeah. reason why Dusty Baker ran out of town. Like, he, and honestly, I think, and I not think, only that, but that he's preventing. That it's preventing
2: so the Astros from getting another capable manager. Like, that's also this what's is, being said here.
1: This is like Skip Bayless or Colin Coward type stuff just to get the reaction. Because otherwise, I don't think that's what it is. You can't, and a personal vendetta, but I don't think, I think there's anyone is. in their right mind that believes, hey, guess what, there are guys out there that are going to turn down the Houston Astros job with that roster, yeah. with that ownership, with that, that situation, and say, you know what, I couldn't take the press. I I don't want to get into it with their bloggers and their writers. Like even if it's Chandler Rome, I don't want to do that. I'm going to pass on that job. Get out of here with all that.
2: Every city has this. Like every city has this, and every city has more of this, quite frankly, than than Houston does. Uh, I went and listened to the whole 30 minute interview, and it seems like Booth does have a an admiration for Ron Washington, and maybe even like a personal relationship with Ron Washington. And I think that he heard some things being talked about with Ron Washington that they didn't like about Ron Washington, and I think he took major offense to that, and that's what led to this kind of tirade to these tweeters and bloggers and at least one radio host. Um, But I I completely disagree that this is going to force the Astros to hire a subpar manager. That's just untrue. Look,
3: just here's the deal. Don't tweet. What's wrong with Joe Spada's lineup, Jeremy?
2: If it is a Spada, it's coming. Uh, I just, I'll let Joe it. Hey, Joe Spot, if you don't want to have to deal with me saying what's wrong with the Spada's lineup or Joe's lineup, I haven't decided yet, then don't take the job. Maybe I am the radio host that's forcing people out of this. Maybe city.
1: you got to kiss the ring. I mean, it sounds like you might be the godfather that has control here. <laughs> Who knows?
2: I hope not. <laughs> 713-780-3776. No live ring. from East River Nine. Who are the top three Rockets in order right now that you're building around? Shingun's look good. Jalen's look good lately. Jabari's still very young. Who are the top 3 rockets that you're building around on this team? 7137803776 Killer Bees on ESPN 975 and ESPN 925 kind of wet on the roadways right now which is uh it's sometimes it causes some wrecks it, statistically speaking whenever the roadways are wet the, there's more accidents that happen we hope that doesn't happen to you we hope that you're staying safe but just in case you do get into that rare car accident the first thing you need to do is call Hollingsworth Law Firm just store it in your mind I get in a wreck I need to call Hollingsworth Law Firm also it's free to call free consultations and you don't pay a single thing until you win your case
1: and here's the thing don't just store it in your mind store it in your phone have it ready to go because you need- never know when an accident may happen, but you're not really prepared when it does because you're not expecting it. So therefore, if you have the Hollingsworth Law Firm already teed up and in your phone, you know you can go to them immediately and they will already start working on being in your corner every step of the way. They're not going to charge you every step of the way, but they're going to be there with you every step of the way. They're going to fight the other driver if it was their fault. They're going to fight the insurance company to get you what you deserve. And they're going to fight for you every step of the way so that you get the compensation and you get back to where you were prior to the accident. Accident.
2: Call right now for free consultation or whenever you get into that accident. 713 999 8773 Let Hollingsworth Law Firm deal with those pesky insurance companies. 713-999-8773. Visit them online at CarWreckTexas.com, CarWreckTexas.com.
0: ESPN 975 on Twitch. Oh, it's you people.
3: I'm tired of being your trail donkeys, acting like you some one man GPS.
0: Back in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at East River Nine, it's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham.
2: Dr. Dre says that, uh, what did Dr. Dre say? You never know what Dr. Dre is going to say. Usually it's wrong uh, what Dr. Dre had to say. He said it was me that ran Dusty out of town. My old opinionated
3: bleep. We
2: are in the opinion business,
3: right? I mean, we kind of have to do what... We're in the opinion business. I just, it's just The whole thing is just so stupid. Like... I told the story earlier, but like in 2006, Dusty Baker got really upset with Steve Stone during a postgame interview on TV on WGN, and he like took his headphones off and like left. And, and Bob ne- Knight did that all the time. And never did another TV interview ever again. But like it didn't run him out of Chicago because Steve Stone was mean to him. And it stopped the Cubs or the White Sox from hiring another guy because Steve Stone was mean. You think about He's this, so guys. Think about what really we just ridiculous. got done
1: talking about with Caleb Williams. Think about the fact that people were already annihilating him for, one, whether he was crying or not with his mom, but then saying that he wanted to go home and watch his shows, cuddled up with his dog. We could could question if that's soft or not. But do you think that Dusty Baker is truly going to not take a job or come back at a job simply because of bloggers were too tough on him or it bothered him too much and that was the crux of why he left? Because he would never get another job in baseball because everybody's going, you played, you've managed in multiple cities that were tougher than this in terms of the media and the questions and the way they come at you, regardless if there was social media or not. There's no way that they would say you're not tough enough to be able to endure that and take whatever they give you, and tell me that that was the reason why you walked away.
2: Yeah, I mean, even Dusty said that he was thinking about retirement last winter, and then it was the summer that kind of like kind of was the nail in the coffin. Not that it would have changed anything, but I mean, Booth, you can tell is like an old baseball head. I think he had a personal relationship, or at least a personal admiration for Ron Washington. Uh, he read a couple of things that you know didn't say. Kind things about Ron Washington, and I think he held a grudge there. Uh, that to me is my my biggest take takeaway from it. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six four one two three. I don't know who Booth is, but he needs to nut the up. How soft can you be? It is a mean text day too, by the way. So oh, i might land on me text. Two one two eight. The Astros were done with Dusty. All of this was just to save face. I could see that too. A one four seven. Brandon will live rent free in the future. Astro manager head running people out of town in style. Uh, nine two four three. Got to be Brian. I'm asking wrong with Dusty's lineup. To be fair, there was stuff wrong with the lineup uh, most days. I never actually said that there was anything wrong with Dusty's lineup. I was just asking all of you, Houston, what uh, what y'all you just thought opened was wrong up with the lineup. forum. I just opened it, it up Pandora's box.
1: Got
3: got the discussion going. I remember. Yeah. Okay, I got this wrong during the break. The whole beef thing between those guys. Yeah. yeah, it started because of the Astros tweet about the tens of fans, and Booth threw a temper oh, he got tantrum. Got really sensitive about it. He called the Astros organization classless on Twitter.
2: Well, he called all of the tweeters and influencers. Yeah. And he called them classless, too. I think
1: this guy's just a hack.
3: Well, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know who he
1: was until he started making guest appearances on the weekends. I mean, has been on at, our show. I, I know, but, but I'm just saying. Let me, let me, let me just kind of clarify this. Before he was on Channel 11 doing the Sunday night show after the news, and i was wondering who their their guest insider was i didn't know who he was and then i found out that he had you know he he, he played baseball to a certain level uh, but then because he was on channel 11 that's the only way i knew him then we had him on the show good enough guy knowledgeable baseball guy fair enough but this is a lot of spilled milk and, and other things being aired out on a forum <clears throat> whether he found out and realized it or not his two little ventures this year alone better basically kind of let him know how it really gets handled out in the Twitterverse when you go out and start making outlandish statements that people can poke holes in.
2: Yeah, I just think he, um, I think he's on a high horse a bit and wants things a certain way. Old baseball head, doesn't like analytics, stuff like that. Uh, 409 Josh, if Internet comments keep someone away good, who would want a coach manager that is scared of people's opinions on the Internet anyway? It's a great point. Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, he's making a bad take that some Internet forums or Twitter or bloggers or tweeters are going to prevent the Astros from hiring a good manager. It's flat-out wrong. It's a bad take. It should land on Bad Take Boulevard, uh, 6539. If any manager allows media's opinions to run them out of town, it's like the trash took itself out, period. I think that's a, a good point as well. To me, he knows Washington. He People said some bad things about Washington, and he took it out on the people that he thought uh, were saying bad things about Washington. He also had the thing where he, uh, he talked about, uh, he said, like, Houston, you're you're keeping away good baseball people from Houston. He talked about tweeters and influencers and – I don't know if anybody said influencers – tweeters and uh, the, the bloggers. And then he had this to say to
4: tweeters and bloggers. You did it out of spite. You did it out of, out of anger. You did it out of frustration because you think that somehow your voice in, in trashing people's careers matters. All it does is embarrass you and embarrass that. And this team is going to be fine when we're without you. So he
2: kind of contradicts
0: him. He did. Like he's it's a saying, full he, he's, say, he's
4: saying that you've run people
2: out of town by how much you talk, and now that you're talking, your opinion doesn't matter. So he's talking out of both sides of his mouth what he says does not carry any weight.
1: And here's the thing. As we've talked about across sports in this market and across the media in this market, we've said this time and time again. If Dave Roberts is fired as manager of the Dodgers, if Aaron Boone goes with the Yankees, the, you know, if the Mets were still looking for a, a, a head coach, Across the three biggest, the three cities bigger than Houston. You are so lucky if you, take, if you get Houston's market for sports media and bloggers and coverage as opposed to one of those other three because you're going to get annihilated daily whether you win or lose, push all the right buttons, or completely screw up. You're getting it every single day, and you better have skin thick enough to be able to take it, and it better not influence how and why you took the job and do the job that you do because then you truly are soft because in the bigger markets where media doesn't give a rat's ass if they're the, if they're the flagship or not or... If they're going to, you know, not have the same relationship with the manager or not, they're coming after you. They're coming after the players. They're coming after the managers, the coaches, the organization, and you better be tough enough to take it because your salary is massive, and you know that you have a job to do that has nothing to do with them. <laughs> I can't believe this was
2: this is something that actually happened yesterday. I know. Oh, tweeters and bloggers and social sports media influencers are keeping good baseball people out of Houston. Okay, what if what if it's Espada? You, okay, <laughs> Spada, he must have been okay with all the tweeters and the bloggers and all these people saying bad things on the internet. It's just a
1: bad take. Like, he, he was, it was sour grapes turned into bad take. Plus he had an issue with the, with the, the radio guy. So the fact is, is that us, you're going to make him know. look even sillier by trying to use yeah. this forum during that kind of a take and comment and then rope that into it. Yeah, yeah. he
3: clearly just has a grudge to hold because it just makes no sense. Like, tweeters and bloggers were vicious in 2019 to A.J. Hinch because of the decisions he made that cost the Astros the World Series. That didn't stop Dusty Baker from taking a job, though.
2: Right. Like, I wonder
3: if Klan said anything bad about Washington. He had to have. Probably. He had to have. At least He said at least one sports kind
2: of his show thing. Host, though. So it could have been more than one. It could have been, it could have been more. It could have been more than, the, than so just one. So it was you one. and the other guy. I don't know if it was me. I never. I don't think I say anything bad about Ron Washington. No, oh, not Ron I Washington. Spoke just Dusty's lineups. Of, yeah, I did speak. Uh, I, I didn't. Not, not well, my opinion, just a question.
3: We did have some booger sugar jokes question. on the station. I don't remember which show that was on. One on ours. That might have been Michael and
2: I. I think it was Beard. <laughs> 7375, we live in a hot take society. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just want to kind of, like, I guess, housekeep this so we talk about this going forward. I want this to be the start of the month every every month because there's a lot of dialogue, conversation, debate about, like, who should the Rockets build around because they have young players. You know, you look at the starting lineup. I and mean, Thompson Thompson's not playing right now. It wasn't a starter. But you also have Jalen Greens played well lately. Alpi Shangoon's played good all year. Uh, Jabari has played really well, too. Top three Rockets in order that you build the team around if you had to decide today.
1: I think right now it's still Jalen hmm. and Alpi. That surprises me. And Jabari simply because of the value overall from where they're picked to where their ceiling still sits. Uh, And the fact that we haven't seen enough of of Ahmed Thompson, who I think is going to develop into a very, very good and possibly a special player for this organization. We haven't seen Tari Eason at all. You know, So of the young guys that I'm looking at to be the guys, and I know that Van Vliet and Brooks came into this situation. They got paid handsomely. I think you're seeing the absolute maximum of what you can get from a Brooks. I think we've already seen the best of Fred Van Vliet, and it was in a Raptors uniform. It wasn't in a Rockets uniform. So I think it's amongst the young guys, and I think that's where it sits currently, and it would be a very fluid situation based on when you get guys back and when they start playing significant minutes.
2: All right, those are my three, too. Uh, I'll go with Jalen, Alpi and uh, In that order? And Jabari, yeah. Yeah. Same. I'm surprised you went uh, Jalen. Yeah, and I the, thought you guys bar, might be or or at Alpi.
1: the time, but I think it's just because of the overall ceiling and value. I think yeah, if Jalen fits in to, to Adoka's system, buys in, and starts really trying to hone his overall game as it relates to the team instead of just his individual skill sets, I think Jay, the sky's the limit for Jalen because I was down on him under in Silas's system. There's no doubt, and I probably would have him lower on the list. And then just the fact that Alpi for everybody that was questioning his defense and other things – the way that you are actually facilitating offense through him now, with a sound basketball mind like Adoka, puts his value up at even another notch.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. How do you order, and how are you building around him in order? Uh, when we return, we've been killing it on BZ Money. We had another strong week. We're going to hand out winners when we come back. Killer Bees broadcasting live from East River Nine on ESPN 97.5 seven five and ESPN ninety two five.
1: Hey, right now, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville, best in the business at the Neograph Procedure. If you don't know what it is, I'm here to tell you, it is getting your own hair back at places where you need it most. Maybe you're thinning and your, your, your forehead has become an eight head. Maybe you've got a baboon's butt on the top of your head, and it's shiny, and you don't like how it looks, and you don't want to go out in public because of it. The neograph procedure can take care of all of that and wherever you are experiencing hair loss or thinning. It's simply put, taking your own hair where you're never going to lose it, and genetically you're never going to lose it on the sides and the back of your head, putting it where you need it most in those troublesome spots where you've already lost some or you think it's going fast. The fact is, Doc Linville, best in the business, he can do it right here in Houston, and you can get your own hair back. I went through the process. I did it myself. I went through with him. He walked me through it. I didn't even know about it until he said, I need to sit down and talk to you. Once I heard the fact that 95 to 99% of the follicles he's going to move are going to stay, grow, and get longer and stronger and be with you for the long haul, it was a no-brainer. And I've seen the results, and I've seen it get better day to day. And I can't be any more happy than I already am with the procedure itself and how it went with Doc Linville and his staff. You guys can capitalize, too. Start by doing this. Go to 975hair.com right now. As a listener to ESPN 97.5, you get a free consultation with Doc Linville and his staff. Others normally pay up to $150 just to sit down and meet with them. You meet with them for free. You ask questions. You get answers. You can see if the procedure might be right for you, too. No signing on the dotted line. No money out of pocket. You just get information. You ask questions. They get Give you answers. You see if it's right for you. I did it. Couldn't be happier with it. I'd recommend them to anybody. I'm recommending them to you right now. Go to 975Hair.com.
0: ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it.
2: You hooked up with it. You decided to marry it. I told you I wasn't into it. You said it didn't matter.